don't be afraid to ask. I know that people say that a lot, but it's, it's so true. Like, just don't be afraid to ask questions and figure it out. So, um, I, I would say exposure and putting yourself out there, like, closed mouths don't get fed. So, you got to figure that out. And you, you only have one life, so just go for it. Go for it. Welcome to For the Culture Podcast, where we and our guests discuss our lived experiences in science. This podcast explores how our work and mere presence impact our culture today. This podcast is an unfiltered conversation and really more of a therapy session where we can vent and um, hopefully the audience can benefit from our experiences. This podcast provides a platform for emerging and current scientists to discuss their development as individuals and community leaders in order to help and improve our culture. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is For the Culture Podcast. You're here with your hosts, Ian S., Kofi K., and Lawrence M. And we have another exciting, exciting episode for you guys. We have none other than one of my favorites, (laughs) One of my classmates, one of the homies, one of the crew, D4L, always in the lab with me, always <laughs> holding it down. Dr. Stevenson, Dr. Takara Stevenson here on the podcast today. She is hailing from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Dr. Stevenson did her PhD in cardiovascular research. She also had a postdoc experience at the NIH. That's right, you heard it, the NIH, and is now starting her glorious, 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 glorious career and medical communication. And today she is here to drop some bombs, some gems, some some heavy ideas on you today. So thank you for joining us once again. Welcome to the For the Culture Podcast and give a round of applause for Dr. Stevenson today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Introduction. You did me right. I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud. No, I'm happy to be here. Happy that y'all are doing this. It's, it's amazing, you know. So definitely like here we are. Here welcome. We are. Welcome. And this welcome. is our first streamed interview, too. Yeah. I haven't posted the link to the social media yet, but we're oh, really? streaming on Twitch now. Oh. So welcome to our twitch followers uh tune in if you have questions for us drop those in the comment section um we're streaming to all the different networks we're still working out the quirks and giggles and wiggles of the show mm-hmm. so if you have any suggestions for us please let us know um send us a comment drop in the messages something send us something and we'll, we'll be sure to check it out um, so we're going to start off like we usually do um, for each of our guests. Our first question is, could you briefly tell us how you got into STEM? Um, has it always been something that's been of your affinity or, you know, what was your journey? How did you jump into science? That is a really good question, man. Um, yeah, STEM. Um, can't, you know, in hindsight, never thought that I would even be at the point um, to where somebody's going to call me doctor. But, you know, um, I think STEM started really, really early for me in the sense that, well, I would say early enough for me to gravitate towards it. Um, you know, I, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, pretty decent kid, you know, really was a, a super introvert. So, you know, books gave me love. People, I was like, eh. 
not really. <laughs> um, but um, so I really was one to be kind of in the mix of like words and wanting to know things and having some love for education and learning. Um, so I think that was one thing. But, you know, I went to Georgia Southern University. I got my um, BS in chemistry. And so while I was there, when I first came, like coming out of high school, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be a pharmacist. And I think that comes from that was the only exposure I had. So my father um, is like owned his own um, pharmaceutical or pharmacy, essentially. And he wasn't a pharmacist, you know, he was a, a store manager, essentially. But he, you know, in the back, in the little nook was this Jamaican lady who used to like give us food and, you know, just if we ever needed something, she would, you know, you know, tell jokes. Sometimes we would be at my parent, like my dad's store and just like hanging out. So she was the first like black woman doing something that I was like, oh, I've never seen this before. So I was like, when I went to Georgia Southern, I was like, oh, I want to be a pharmacist. So I immediately got on the chemistry track. Um, I started to kind of dibble and dabble in different like opportunities to shadow. And, you know, funny thing is knowing that I have my dad and he was working at this store or he was running this store and I had a pharmacist, I never really like paid attention to what she was doing. And so one day I was like, oh, I want to, you know, shadow you. I want to learn like what I'll be potentially doing in the future. And I realized very quickly I hated it. I was like, oh, absolutely not. You have to stand, you got to count pills. You know, you have to work with customers. I was like, this probably is not like the, the career for me. But I didn't make that decision until junior year. So junior year, going into senior year, you're supposed to know what you're going to do out of college. And I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Um, so I realized I didn't want to do that. I quickly was like, you know, I took the pre-farm track off of my um, degree and I kind of had to sit with myself and had to have like, okay, you're going to be an adult after you graduate. So you got to figure this out. And um, what ended up happening is I had an amazing, amazing teacher, um, a physical chemistry teacher, PCHEM. Oh my gosh, terrible class, but amazing teacher. Um, and like, he would jump on the desk. He would bring his, he was a soccer player like in college. So he would like use his soccer ball to kind of like teach us about matter and how like things are formed and all these different things. So I really, really was drawn to him and he was a really, really good mentor of mine. And I was like, you know, I decided in that moment, I wanted to, you know, be a collegiate professor. I was like, I want to teach, you know, I knew the demographic that I wanted to teach. I knew, um, I was like, actually, it was very specific. It was like, I want to be a collegiate professor. I want to teach at an HBCU because that's a demographic. Those are the people that I want to reach. And um, I told him, I was like, hey, I want to do this. And I was walking through the chemistry building and I realized like all the teachers had PhDs. And I was like, oh, good. I'm like, okay, so this is, I got to get a PhD if I want to teach. Not really having any idea what a PhD and like what, type of PhD they had, not knowing what it might entail, just like wanting that. Um, and so I had that same teacher like help me. Um, I was like, okay, well, I want to do this. I see you have a PhD. Like, you know, I have an interest at the time I was working with um, another chemistry professor of mine, 
a really good mentor of mine um, who gave me my first research opportunity. And I was working in his lab and I was like, you know, I like this, but I don't like chemistry because I'm talking about things that people cannot see, hated it. And so, um, you know, in a nutshell, I was like, I like doing, I know I didn't want to do medicine. And I was like, I want to help people in some sort of way. And so I just was like, oh, well, let me, I want to do biomedical science. And I had like two reasons, two prominent reasons why. One, my mother is actually a burn victim. You would never know. Absolutely would never know. Um, but she was kind of born in that, you know, just coming out of Jim Crow, Martin Luther King era, had a really um, terrible racist neighbor, um, died through a kerosene can while they were burning leaves. And my mom, like in middle school, had like second to third degree burns all over herself and um, or first to second degree burns. And hearing about that, knowing like there's literally no pictures of my mom, like in middle school to like maybe I start seeing like pictures of her maybe in high school because she used to say she looked like a zebra and like hearing the type of treatment methods that were available to her. I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. And I was like, how do they even think that that would work? Because again, you look at my mom, you're like, what? Like, there's no way. So um, I was really interested in that. And then my grandmother um, had a, she's a quadruple coronary artery bypass um, patient. So she successfully had the surgery, but at that time that was innovative. And so, you know, seeing that process and like trying to kind of get some type of understanding of what they were doing to my grandmother, why she was in the hospital and like, well, how did they even get to like the, the groundwork of doing that? I was like really intrigued. So I told, like I talked to my mentor at the time and I was like, hey, I think I want to do something like in biomedical. I want to keep up that kind of field. And he was like, okay, cool. And he was like, you know, list out all the schools you want to go to and I was like okay so I picked out all these grad schools <laughs> he I remember him like emailing me on a weekend it was like come to my office before class da, 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 da. and like he looks at my list and he was like he was like um the caliber student you are will not go to any of these institutions <laughs> like that was just the he was just like you know when you're going to grad school things like this matter like you don't want to go to some school that's not you know that doesn't have it all but Morehouse was on my um list so he he that was one that he didn't take off um and he gave me some other ones that he felt like I would be really a strong candidate for so um essentially I think within like my first experience my research experience of being a chemistry major but also having some um research student research um that was something that was like getting my wheels turning about STEM, you know, having those events happen to my parent or my mom and my grandmother. I was like, you know, really interested. So I knew I wanted like it was as soon as I figured out like and again, I had a French time of like I only got a year to graduate. So I had to figure this out. <laughs> and so, you know, I really just took a lot of time and, you know, did my due diligence and was like, OK, stem cell therapy. That sounds like something. Um, that contributed to, you know, my mom, um, cardiovascular disease. I was like, that's the area of research I want to be for, like in, um, in honor of my grandmother. And then, um, I was like, okay, well, 
you know, regenerative therapy. I ended up going to a lab where it was more so about regenerative therapy. And I thought that was really, really cool at the time. So I just kind of like, I migrated my way into STEM. It was not something where I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be whatever. I applaud a lot of kids who like know that at an early age, but I don't even think that people were really asking me that question. So I wasn't really understanding like, oh, you have to pick something to do. Like I thought choosing like what you wanted to do in life involved choosing your major in college. Like I thought that was equivalent. And so, you know, that it wasn't until my senior year in high school where I checked off like, oh, I'm going to do chemistry because I want to be a pharmacist because that's the only thing I've seen. Um, But when I think about it in hindsight, you know, I think like I'm very spiritual. So I feel like there were steps that like I was learning different tools along the way that were going to enable me to become a really good scientist. Um, And so I just kind of navigated my way here and I've kind of essentially carved out a path because I can't say I knew black scientists until or knew of scientists and what they did to the extent that they did until I went to Morehouse um to some degree maybe maybe in undergrad I kind of had a taste but I didn't even realize they were scientists I was just thinking they were teachers so you know it I just kind of carved my way in but I I was always good (laughs) I was always good but I was always good at a lot of like my I was a really good student I guess I could say pretty good student. That's, that's an amazing journey. Um, what, what I gather from what you said is that you're, you're pretty much open, uh, whether it be your eyes or your ears or your mind and receptive to people in your life that kind of helped you along the way to kind of get to where you are. So I think that's an important thing that, uh, you know, students or listeners wanting to get into the STEM field should, should keep in mind. Uh, my question for you is like, knowing that you didn't know what you know now, uh, getting into grad school, like what was the one thing that kind of surprised you most or shocked you most when coming to Morehouse or just, you know, getting into that PhD life? Um, I think the, the, the biggest lesson um, or character trait, maybe I can say that, that I did not know that you would gain going through a PhD or being involved in research and error or um, research in general was trial and error. Like I did not know I was going to be doing experiments one, two, 3,000 times, you know, and optimizing them. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you, you know, my PhD uh, thesis advisor, he said something really good. It was like, you know, are you a technician or are you a scientist? And he would say like technicians, you know, no disrespect because they do amazing work and I love them. I love techs. They're amazing. Um, But, um, you know, they just read a protocol. They may optimize it here and there, um, but they just do the protocol and they just kind of call it. They they run the assay and they go. Um, but I think for a scientist, you have to continue to evolve. Um, you have to continue. I did not know that I was going to continue to optimize and optimize and, you know, readjust and pivot so much, um, in grad school. It is a lot, it's a huge lesson in resilience and like fortitude, like just sticking to something 
having a, a interest in something very um um that's very unique to you um hopefully you're doing something that you're really passionate about but you know just taking it as like your baby and figuring it out I did not know how much I was going to have to figure it out and there's nobody telling you like how to figure it out you have to you got to do a lot of research, a lot of reading. You have to look at other people, you know, what they're doing, what works for them. Be, you know, humble enough to say, hey, this is not working. <laughs> I need I need help. So I did not know that that was a part of like science. I didn't know. And I'm sure that's, some, that's such a huge concept now because what this where we are in life or in this era with being in a pandemic, like people don't really understand like, all the things that take that scientists do to get to the stage and how it's continuously evolving. So like, you know, I'm sure like there, there comes a little bit of distrust when they're like, Oh, well, last week you said this, but you never really understand that behind closed doors, like people are doing this to make sure that, you know, it's bulletproof. And when they bring it to the public, like they are trying to make sure that you have the best like standard, um, to go by. So there's a lot of optimizing and a lot of experiments that I had to do that I was like, oh, <laughs> I did not know. I had no idea. <laughs> no, that's so real. That's so real. So can I ask you, since you're on the other side now, um, to anybody who's aspiring to be a PhD or wants to go through this track, um, and you were saying earlier that you wasn't, you weren't really sure if this was what you wanted to do or was this another stepping stone to get you along the way, how would you give advice to somebody who's at that station now, who's maybe finishing the last year of college and thinking if they want to go to grad school or someone who's potentially in a master's program or another post undergrad experience and trying to figure out, is this really for me and what could I use this to do? Even if it is something that I get into and I, change interests later what can I do with this um I've seen you navigate that a lot of different ways throughout your experience as an undergrad as a, a graduate student as a postdoc and now into your career could you just speak on that a little bit um yeah I mean to be honest I think it may be different for for different people but I think one valuable attribute that you can have is to ask questions and seek people who may know the answer. So one thing I learned about myself is even in positions where I don't know, I'm really willing um, to humble myself and tell people I don't know. Um, and I think for someone who is like, do I, do I want to, you know, go to grad school? Do I want to get a job? Do I want to, you know, or even if you're in the stage of being in grad school, do I want to postdoc? Do I want to transition out? Do I want to, you know, career shift? Like, what do I want to do? I think that reaching out to people who, well, one, know yourself, you know, know what you like, what you don't like, um, and don't compromise. Like, if you don't, if you know that you know that you know that you don't like doing something, Nine times out of 10, if you try to put yourself like, you know, fit your square into that box, I mean, fit, fit your circle into that square, or however the phrase goes, like you're going to end up mid, like it's just going to be hard for you to like continue doing what you signed up for. So I think if you can give yourself the right exposure 
um, you know, and like, for example, like me getting into STEM and me wanting to essentially what I wanted to be was a collegiate professor um, um, or an undergraduate professor. I was really um, I really wanted to do that. You know, I was like, I knock on the doors of the people in the chemistry building because they were in the area. And I was like, hey, like, I want to do what you I want your job. How do I do that? You know, um, and when I was coming out of grad school, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do. But I also wanted to give myself an opportunity to give things another try to see if I liked it. Um, you know, change of environment can dramatically change like your perspective on things, having that perspective. Um, I just think that by you trying to assert yourself and getting those questions that you have um, about like your next step answered by the most closely aligned person to what you think you want to do. I think that's super important. Exposure, I think goes a long way. So um, I would just, you know, it was one piece of advice I would say is like, don't be afraid to ask. I know that people say that a lot, but it, it's so true. Like just don't be afraid to ask questions and figure it out. So um, I, I would say exposure and putting yourself out there, like closed mouths don't get fed. So you got to figure that out and you, you only have one life. So just go for it, go for it. Um, so my next question um, was, could you explain a little bit about your, how you got, um, how did you get your postdoc experience with the NIH? I know you had an internship before you actually went there as well. Could you briefly describe what that process looked like? Um, there's a lot of grad students who listen to the episode and they're looking for different avenues outside of the normal traditional academic route as well. Um, so could you just briefly explain how that went for you and how did that transition into your postdoc experience? Um, yeah, so wonderful, wonderful opportunity at the NIH, um, you know, and just to say, I guess I got to say this on record, like, again, these are my own thoughts and they're not those of the NIH, you know. So um, what I can say is that in grad school, I was very open to opportunities. What I, you know, it depends on who um, you're working with at the time. But what I realized is that the avenue that I wanted to create for myself, I didn't know for certain if my um, advisor was going to be able to like navigate that for me. So I had to really, um, and that's no fault to him. He was just in a very, very, he was in a niche of science that I didn't think I was going to like want to stay in. Excuse me. I don't know what that was, but, um, um, so I didn't know if he was going to be able to help me as much as, um, to, to kind of pursue those different um, opportunities. So I essentially had a good friend, um, you guys know her, Dr. Lipsy Crystal, uh, who went to the NIH for a summer internship. Um, and, you know, she was telling me like, I think at the time, like she was just really, she really enjoyed the environment. She ended up staying there. And so I was very on the end of like, well, let me see. Cause I didn't know if I really wanted to be a bench researcher. So I was like, 
let me see if I go to another place, like instead of being in academia, let me shift to government. Like, am I going to want to stay um, doing bench research? Like, you know, what, what do I want to do? And so I ended up signing up for this uh, internship opportunity called GSOR. I can't necessarily remember what the acronym stands for now, but it is a summer internship that is available. I think they start applications like late fall and like by March, they're starting to like onboard different researchers from all across the country to come and work for someone at the NIH in this respective field that you're interested in. So I did GSOR. I actually did not get into GSOR because I think that was like a cancer track. But what they did is they moved my application into the summer internship portal. Um, And so at that time, PIs, I mean, if you know who you want to work with, most times like this um, summer interns will reach out to a certain PI and be like, hey, I want to work with you. Um, I didn't really know who I wanted to work with. Um, but be, that portal also allows PIs on the NIH campus to view your application. And I actually had um, three different PIs reach out to me and say, hey, like, I saw your application. I really want to get to know you, um, see if this will be a good fit for you. Do you would you mind working during the summer? And so that's really what ended up happening. I interviewed with the three different um, labs. I The lab that I ended up choosing, which was the lab that I worked for my postdoc, I ended up choosing them particularly because one, he had the students call me, like his, the, the researchers in his lab called me. Um, he had the scientists. He also had a grad student and a medical student who was working in the lab. And so they called me. He didn't call me. And they interviewed me first because they actually wanted to see if I was going to be a good fit for them. Like, you know, they're going to be the ones seeing me in and out. And then later on, um, I guess I got the the nod of approval for them. And then my PI reached out and was like, hey, we would love to have you based off of the strength of his, his uh, team which was to me completely opposite of like, I mean, the other interviews I met with the PI, I talked to them, they told me about their lab and everything. And they were like, and if you want to, you know, you can reach out to so-and-so to hear about the lab perspective, but he actually did the reverse way. And I was like, oh, this is different. So I ended up joining his lab. I did a summer research project. So that lab particularly was in the national, a part of the National Eye Institute. Um, So it was completely different from me being a cardiovascular researcher. But one thing I can say is like, again, it's about value um, and the value you have, like irrespective of what field I was in, he saw the things that I could do. And he was like, that's valuable. Like, we want to do that. Like, can you bring that to our lab? So essentially, he allowed me to have the creative ability to start a research project that I don't think a lot of people knew how to do in that particular lab, but he was very, um, him and my research scientists who mentored me during the summer were, were very helpful in helping me form collaborations to get the things that I needed to start up. And so I did, uh, I think I was there for nine weeks and I told myself in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to walk away with the job, you know, and you know, I just formed a really good relationship with the lab and my PI at the time. And he was like, we would love to have you back. So I think I just took the opportunity and I knew it was like, I said to myself, I was like, 
I'm going to walk out with a job. And I was determined like to show them not only the best version of myself, but also who I was. And um, they liked it. And I was surprised. I'm like, here I am. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm thinking I'm a small town, you know, and they, they saw that. And, you know, before I graduated, I came back, you know, to do my last year um, at um, MSM. And he had offered me a job before I left. And he, he offered me a job so to the point where there was not even a spot available for a postdoc in his lab because he was like just starting his lab up. But he was like, hey, like before we left, he was like, here are these grant opportunities that I think you should apply for. And so I was <laughs> dissertating <laughs> as well as like finishing my dissertation, running research experiments in grad school and writing a grant with him in collaboration to make sure that I had funding. And lo and behold, as soon as I got or I received the grant that we wrote, which was amazing. And then, um, so I had money, but they were already going to find a way like to make sure that I came back. So um, um, like the grant money actually just went to me just starting up everything I needed to. And then, you know, I just, I, I just think that opportunity like just kind of catapulted me into like um, having a different type of experience, working with a really, really, really um, intuitive, like innovative place to get things done. Um, and I just, I took it and ran. I was like, you know, I, I think this is a good fit for me. And so that's how I ended up going back to the NIH and doing my postdoc there. It was one of the, I still think it, uh, my time at the NIH was invaluable absolutely invaluable I really really have no quorums about like my experience there it was it was life-changing <laughs> the people there are, are so good and the lab that I worked with was like amazing people I don't think I'll come across well hopefully um you know they set the metric for any any other company that I worked with so let's just say that so TK you had a lot of like life going on uh, during all of this, like, how does that, how does that work? Like, how do you find a balance? Um, me and my co-host, we all talk about finding work-life balance. We all talk about getting ourselves together in the process, maturing while we're becoming these scientists with these terminal degrees. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I, I think it has something, you know, I listened to Patrick's, um, um interview with you guys um I'm actually a fan of the show so you guys have like an instant subscriber like I'm just I'm here for all the episodes it is my like breakfast club like my scientific breakfast club that's what I call it so um I uh I think he said something really important like um I know he was referring to just I guess like perspective and like knowing yourself I knew back from way back when, when I was like a little girl, like there were things about how, like, yes, I wanted a career, but I also knew like another important aspect of life for me was like having a family, 
you know, eventually having kids and, um, you know, starting that process. That was a big thing for me. And not all women are like, you know, we're not all uniform. So um, for me, that was something really high on my priority list. And what I was saying or what I was when I was in grad school, you know, grad school is like it's not for the weak hearted or like it's just not something that you can just do on a, well, I wouldn't say you can do anything, but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of work for anybody who wants to be in your life to understand it. Because usually we all can relate because we get it. We understand the grind, we understand the hustle, we understand like the networking, we know all the you know highs and lows of this industry um, or in this field but you know if you're going to have a partner who is outside of that to try to integrate them in that you have to be very intentional with your time so I would always say you know my career I have many faces so I am you know TK the scientist I am TK the businesswoman I am TK the wife I am TK the mom and all of them get, all of them, when I am being present in that moment as TK, the mom, like my son gets 100% of me. When I'm being TK, the scientist, science gets 100% of me. When I am being TK, the wife, my husband gets the best of me, um, 100% of me. So I think for me to navigate and integrate my husband into what it takes to what I have to do, like the sacrifices. I think it's almost like when it, it definitely told me early on, like he was the one, cause you know, not everybody can like understand, like, you know, I'm not on my time. I'm on my sales time. Like my cell, the medium has to be changed. Some, you know, some days you're working seven days a week and they have to kind of be able to adjust with you during those experiments. I could be lab early morning to the late night and, you know, you have to have somebody who understands. Um, so I think what I ended up doing to make sure like those life things were happening, I didn't value them any less than what I was doing in the lab. Um, I made sure that when I was showing up, I was showing up at the best act, the, the best capability that I had at the moment, um, whether it be at the time being a girlfriend in grad school, like, you know, I was in grad school and I would hustle like seven days a week. I'll be there and I'll do that for, you know, a couple months. And then, but you know, my boss knew like there's going to be a Thursday that I'm leaving the lab early because I'm going to catch this flight to go see my boyfriend, <laughs> be there for the weekend. I mean, he probably didn't know I was going to see my boyfriend, but I was going to take those time, those moments off to like go see him. And when I went there, I didn't bring my work computer unless I had to. And I would give him a disclaimer, like, I got to submit this email. You know, I got to, I got to revise this paragraph or something like that. But I was very intentional with him and I can't say it's easy. Um, going through life transitions, especially like as a woman, um, not to, cause you men has got to take a lot of hits and I admire that. But I think for, from the perspective of women, like 
you're like, I'm a scientist, but do you want a family? Like, you can't be in the lab if you want a family all the time. Like, you, you just, and you hear this, this terrible quote, I hate it. Um, like, in some ways it might be realistic, but in other ways, I just don't think, it just depends on who the person is. Like, you can't have it all. You can't be a wife, mom, and great scientist. Like, I had a lot of my other people in my um, training who would tell me, like, oh, well, you shouldn't stay in science science because you want to be a mom. So you should just like marry somebody who, you know, is like you, you should you shouldn't do bench research. You should just move out of that because like you can't be a mom and do these things. Um, and I think that kind of was just like you're telling the wrong person because now it's just going to like light the fire in me to make sure that I can have it all. Um, so I think. I was very intentional with making sure that just because I had a full commitment to my research, I also had a full commitment to myself to obtain my life personal goals. And I luckily had a really great, amazing partner in my life who just supported me and grounded me and kept me going, had a really great family-based support system to kind of carry me through. And then when I became a mom, that's a whole nother conversation. I think that's like a 30 minute conversation, but you can, I want to say like to the graduate students or women who are listening to the podcast right now, like you can do it all. Like you can have it all. You can be the wife, you can be the mom, you can be the scientist, you can do all of these things. Um, you just have to be intentional with it. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. I guess I just, I guess I just had the, the, the idea. Like when I was a kid, I was like, I know like family is important to me and I want to start a family. So when the opportunity presented itself and, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, we're ready. I actually, you know, you guys know I had my, I was pregnant my last year of grad school grinding with rats and doing microsurgeries with rats in the lab and that was uh that was hard it was tough but women are so capable like just they're superheroes like women your bodies are changing your thing like but nonetheless like you if you have the determination and the grit you can do anything it, it, it's it's really amazing I'm big woman in science advocate like I just feel like it's just it's so underrepresented and there's too many people who say like, you just can't have it all or you can't be good at, you can't be good at both. It's, it's absolutely insane, but you just have to make sure that you carve out time for life because that science is always going to be there. So if you're not fulfilled on the other end, then what are you working for? What are you working for? But just depends, depends on the person, I guess. Now that you are have transitioned from the postdoc life into your career, what do you think? We talk a lot about transferable skills, and I've heard you mention those a couple of times throughout the show um, in different ways. What do you think were some of the most transferable skills that you picked up while you were a postdoc or while you were in grad school that you were able to finesse or show or tell someone when it came to an interview for the next level for getting a job and the career and the path that you wanted to. Um, we speak a lot of times, like I said, 
on transferable skills. And I think a lot of scientists don't get a chance to really see what that means coming out of grad school until you're on an interview and you're talking to people about how they got those jobs. So could you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, transferable skills. I think recognizing a skill set that you have that may be able to be utilized for whatever company, whatever industry, whatever field you're going to be in, you know, play it up. I had a a really great mentor. He actually works at Morehouse um, and he is a, a awesome, awesome, like resume building, sculpting person. Like he, I would tell him like, oh, I do this. And he will come spit something else at me and he'll say, actually, you know, this is what you did. He'll make my boring, you know, oh, I just played with pipettes look like I was like the grandmaster of all things science, you know, things like that. So I feel like once you identify that there are things um, that you can do that are unique to you, and that you enjoy doing. Because um, transferable skills, when you're thinking about coming out of, like when I was doing my shift from postdoc to working for a medical education company, I had a lot of transferable skills as far as critical thinking, you know, I'm good at analysis and I can, um, you know, crunch numbers, I can, you know, go toe-to-toe, probably not with warrants, um, but like, you know, go toe-to-toe and statistics. So, you know, those are things I can, you know, I can beat you in a pipette tip contest and, you know, all these different things, but um, those aren't the skills that I want to highlight, <laughs> you know? Those weren't the skills that when I was looking for the next step, I at that time, I just knew what I didn't want to do. And so all of the skills that I felt would be an asset to the next phase and the next area of um, my career, those are the skills that I highlighted um, on my resume. So I think um, the most, um, like the transferable skills that work for me, since I'm in a scientific communications or medical uh, communications um, area, the, the top I would say top five is one, I I have that critical thinking. So I can extrapolate data or a synopsis of a paper reading like, okay, this is the clinical trial, this is the statistics. I can pull out what is actually, like what are the key points um, and where I see things going without necessarily um the people who are writing the paper, who are conducting the clinical trial um, without them explicitly saying. So I have that critical thinking skills. I love, love presenting. Now, mind you, maybe not in Morehouse as much, but when I got to the NIH and I started figuring out like, hey, this is my area. I am a, I'm the master in this area. There's not, you kind of have to have this mentality of like, if somebody's going to go to toe-to-toe with me, they're going to have to come really, really hard. So you're a master at what you know. Um, and so I think for me, I, I ended up enjoying presenting. I had a lot of trial and error, but I love presenting. I love finding ways to explain a very complicated subject 
and making it digestible to a lot of people. And that's, I I think I practice that every day. I have a two-year-old. So me trying to tell him, like, you know, he'll ask me, you know, this is a side note, but he'll ask me, one day he asked me, um, where is dad? And at the time, my husband was at work. And he's like, well, why is he, um, uh, why is he at work? He's always at work or something like that. And I was like, well, do you like snacks? And he was like, yeah, I love snacks. And I was like, okay, well, for you to eat your snacks, I have to go to work to get money. And he was like, oh, that's so interesting. You know, like, so I, I, I enjoy like trying to make things that could be complex, like really simplified. Um, so I had a, I had a niche for like, presenting and um, simplifying things for people to really digest. Um, And I think the other thing is that I'm a really great team player. Like, um, I think this is an attribute that everybody should, you know, it, it, you have to be able to integrate yourself within a group of a diverse, it can be diverse culturally, it can be you know, diverse um, career-wise, like you're working with the interdisciplinary team that comprises of doctors or pharmacists or this and that, you have to be able to be a team player in whatever the overall goal is. So I think that was super important, a super important transferable skill um, when it came down to it for me and my, you know, in this medical education field, like, I have to be able to be able to communicate. I have to be able to critically think. I have to be able to have somewhat of a creative mind to break things down. And then I have to be able to be a team player for what our goals are for our company. So, um, you know, once you identify, but I would just like to say, like, identify the the transferable skills that you want to bring with you, not the ones that you don't. Because if you highlight, oh, I'm a great pipetter, they're going to put you on the bench. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not going to like, oh, she's going to be great at giving a presentation. Absolutely not. So also knowing yourself to know, like, what are the transferable skills that you want to bring with you to that next phase? You got to know it. I love to ask this question to um, all of our guests. So you talked about uh, your love for science and your love for your family, and how that's important to you. But what else? Tell us a little bit more about TK. Like, what what do you like to do outside of of science? Um, yeah, TK loves to travel. I love to travel, so I am. You know, my husband actually. I used to not be like that, and then I ended up being um, like one. Like he's he's like you know. I'm going to go to Amsterdam for a week or, you know, like he's like one of those. Uh, I not, I wasn't like that in grad school because I just didn't feel like I had the, um, the time, but um, I love, I, I love traveling. I think I've um, come to find like just being engrossed in somebody else's culture. That's really relaxing to me. I love being a mom. You guys, it's, being a parent in general, I mean, if that's something that you want to do, I love, love, love um, being a mom to my two-year-old, Honor. Um, 
I'm about to become a new mom in December. Well, not a new mom, but a, a seasoned mom, a vet in the game um, in parenthood. Um, so um, I'm welcoming another little little boy. Um, so I'm so excited to be able to just pour into them as you know, young black men. It's it's scary, but it's so beautiful to know that you know. I'm going to play a hand in, you know, somebody's future husband. I just think that's just amazing. So I'm next getting... president of the United States. Who knows? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what? You're right. Because we're not going to limit him. <laughs> we're going to he's going to be or they're going to be amazing. So I think um, a lot about TK loves to travel. I love to hang out with my friends. Me and my husband are um, hosts. We like to host you know, fellowships get together at the gang, cook out, you know, do things that are just like, because we're the new adults now. Like we're not even, uh, we're, we're the new adults. So it's kind of cool. You get to like have cookouts and have people over, you know, it's Sunday night football right now. So usually my house would be extremely loud in the background because it probably be like my husband and his brother. Um, but um, I like doing all of those things, like just celebrating and getting together and traveling and just being a mommy to my little boys. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, boy, boy moms are underrated. Right? Yeah. I really feel like boy moms don't get enough credit, uh, uh, enough uh, um, tension. Like, cause I, cause me and me and my mom, particularly as I've gotten older, have had conversations about how she's changed over the years. Because before I was born, she always wanted a, a daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she told me she was actually a little disappointed when I was born because she wanted a daughter. <laughs> and yeah. so here, here I come out. And it's like, okay, well, you know, now I have to learn how to be a mother to a son. And um, she, this is her, her talking now when she was telling me how, like, she's, she's actually been much more grateful that she had a son as opposed to a daughter because she already knows what it's, what it's like to be a girl. She is one. Um, but she's, you know, learned a lot more about like, you know, how to be more compassionate, you know, and, um, be more sympathetic as a result of being a mother to a son, you know, which comes with a whole other, a whole nother, maybe not level, but a a different perspective of challenges, like you said, in in order to raise that future husband, you know, that's a, that was a great statement, you know, because that's what you're doing, you know, and, and, and in order to, uh, to raise that, you know, stable, whole being, you know, you have to be able to kind of relate to them as well. Um, and that's something that, you know, particularly in our society, um, if anything, there's more, there's uh, unfortunately things that often drive wedges between the sexes, particularly the Black ones, let alone things that bring it together and, and um promote us you know being sympathetic and understanding where where each side is coming from um and so you know shout out to you just being you know a black boy mom like that's beautiful to me so i love it it's my highest honor it's my highest honor Mm -hmm. um you had mentioned uh what happened to your mother which was a gut-wrenching story to say the least Mm -hmm. um the one thing that i kind of took from it was the the resilience that you mentioned and the perseverance that you mentioned that she used to get your PhD 
kind of started all the way back then, yeah. you know, because your mother could have let that, you know, I mean, when evil is kind of done to you, the only thing you can control is how you respond to it, you know, and in, in, instead of that setting your family back, if anything, that, you know, your mother made a full recovery, and if anything, that uh, experience drove you and inspires you to learn to now pursue your chosen life path and your chosen field of, field of endeavor. That's far from the plans of, you know, whatever hate and evil that person had in their heart yeah. that, that convinced them to burn an effing child, you know, they didn't, they weren't planning for that to not, for, and that's why I, I, I love that saying that no weapon formed against me, yeah. you know, it's going to prosper, right? Because yeah. only, only God can turn pure evil, pure hatred into something that is, it, it, turn it into something positive, right? Because that now propelled, that, that propelled you in ways that no one saw coming, <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. You know, I, I love that. Um, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. Um, and I was reading this book um, from, uh, it's called Relationship Souls. I don't know. Um, by Pastor Mike Todd. And in the book, I think in the beginning of the book, and don't quote me on this, but get the book because I think it's really good if you um, are in that um, stage of your life or you want to explore that. But he had it was the question in the study book um, that was that came with that um, book was that like what what was God doing from the beginning of like your life like looking way back into your childhood like what was he doing that you didn't even realize were going to be the tools that you needed to be who you are now and you know I think you just said something really monumental there like who knew that 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 act of hatred um, was going to launch not her not her necessarily her to go through it but it just catapulted her the next generation into a whole new area that I probably wouldn't have known about had I not known the backstory that my mom had um, so yeah you know it got me moving and he'd be working and um, for me like I really like that I really like to hear things like that because that's a good moment for me to reflect and see like, like wow like he I'm thinking he working from the beginning of my life but he was way, working way 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 before I was even in existence so that's really cool that's really cool that's dope. I feel like I didn't even have any questions I just had my two cents <laughs> okay. that I wanted to add in and just make you think and if you have anything else to, to add on um but yeah, honestly, I feel like that was kind of like, um, for me, one of the main takeaways is just that perseverance and just that uh, understanding that um, everything happens according to God's time, according to God's will. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the more that you can, I think Lawrence mentioned it, open, mentioned it earlier, how you've, uh, you know, stayed open to what comes to you, you know, positive and if it's negative, you change it into a positive, you know? Um, and so I think that's, you know, getting back to, to transferable skills, that's something we can all kind of learn from regarding be it work-life balance, uh, working at the, at the NIH or anywhere else, you know, is turning lemon, lemons into lemonade, you know? Yeah, 
and you know don't get me wrong I think um like I've had some really amazing experiences but they definitely it's it's not all you know everything that's glitter isn't gold so there's and I'm sure anyone who's in science anyone no people in general in life can relate to like there's one story that you are open and willing to share and then there's the backstory like that people don't know about they don't know about you know what it took to get there and that's something that I'm really um it's something that I'm adamant about when it comes to like making people understand like I'm extremely blessed god knows I I'm so appreciative but or and I don't say but I say and um <laughs> and um I'm extremely appreci- appreciative um and they came with a lot of life lessons that were tough to digest in the beginning. Um, but, you know, banking on yourself, feeling like things are attainable, that they're not too far out of reach, um, pouring into yourself, taking moments to refuel, um, I think are all important when you're going through those seasons in life. Like we just came, I would say we just came out of a pandemic, but we're unfortunately still in one. So for us to, for a lot of us to navigate this new space that we're in and, you know, try to make it work, I think, um, you know, make sure that in the the story of all the greats and the accomplishments you make, you also like have that moment to reflect on all the stuff that it took to get there. Like it's by the good grace of God (laughs) that I can be in a position to be like, Hey, like these things happen, but they never broke me. And I'm just like, I'm just living in something that I prayed for essentially. And I didn't give up on. And I think that's so important, you know, moving forward for anyone. Speaking of therapy, man, like just, we were speaking on that pre-show. Um, so I want to say that again, and TK, if you could quickly speak on that too, and your experience mm-hmm. just transitioning as a scientist, as a person, as a mom, as TK, as TK the wife, like, could you just briefly speak on that therapy, the influence of therapy on all of that um, before we go? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to make this um, quick, but um, I was definitely speaking to, you know, fellas, and I was telling them that um, one of the non negotiables that I included in my contract when I signed or when I um, started my new career in medical education is that in the interview I was like you know on Wednesdays at 10 a.m to 11 a.m I need to I need to invest in myself and I go to therapy from this time and so from this time to this time I'm unavailable and when I was in the interview you know to I think sometimes there's this misconception where you're just like, oh, you're just trying to get the job, but you're also trying to make sure that that job is good fit for you. And so um, I was speaking about how I learned like my value. I knew that I was valuable to the team. I knew that I could be an asset. And so therefore there were some non-negotiables and my two non-negotiables are whatever my family needs and whatever currently I need to be able to perform at the highest level that I can. And so therapy is that for me. Um, 
And I think, um, well, therapy started off um, after like a sequential amount of losses in 2020. And then you you compound that with um, COVID starting. So I'm now working from home with my toddler because now daycare or yeah, it's a toddler at the time or infant at the time. Um, You know, daycares are closed. Everything's shutting down. I'm grieving. I have a little bit of PTSD from all the amount of people who I lost so early on in 2020. Um, And I also had just moved to Maryland. I just started at the NIH. Probably I was there for six months before they shut down. Um, And or for the, the lockdown to happen before we went hybrid. And, you know, when we finally did get, you know, that to go to go back to lab, you know, I had a different life than everybody else. I was um, working from home from nine to five with my infant. My husband would come home, you know, and I would immediately like, I would try to cook dinner or I might, you know, try to clean up the house. And then within an hour, I was washing up to go into the lab. And that's from 7 p.m. till whenever my experiment ended. So I was doing that, cycling in through that for months um, while also writing the grant at the time. So I don't know what I was doing. And I just lost my footing. I wasn't, I wasn't the best TK and I knew it and I felt it. And I was extremely exhausted and I was overwhelmed with all the responsibilities that I had. So I made the choice to go to therapy. I told myself literally, I'm going to take 21 days to be intentional with myself. So I found a therapist in 21 days. I, I look for my therapist like I did my science. Um, so I found my therapist. I, um, and from that moment on to this one, to present day, I, um, I'm a firm advocate of finding something that allows you to help you navigate the spaces and the transitions in your life. Um, you know, it's so important because we are dynamic people. We don't stay the same. And so um, as I was embarking on being a career woman, you know, getting my career started in science, being a fiance, moving to a new place, being a new mom, like therapy was vital for me in the midst of being in the pandemic. So um I just was very firm on it. It was just something that I had to do. It's something that I still have to do. I'm still working on it. Um, but it it it's life-changing in the sense of like, I, I know that if I'm not the best version of myself, then nobody else is getting that. And so therapy for me is that outlet to work on the best version of TK. So, you know, firm believer that, if you if you're looking for outlet, I know y'all like play basketball. I knew about that back in grad school, and I'm like, oh, are cute. <laughs> but like, you well, know, well, well, shameless shameless plug for therapy too. Like, we all honestly should go to therapy. You're like, if yeah. you haven't already, <laughs> all of us, male male and female, need it. So. It's beautiful. So yeah, take that opportunity. Um, be as intentional with yourself as you do your science. That's all. There, that's all she wrote. Thank you, uh, Dr. No. Stevenson, for coming through on the podcast today, dropping those gems on us, sharing a little bit about your adventure in Through Science, um, your progression as a person, as a mom, as TK, as the homie. I'm so proud of you. Um, shout out to you getting your degree. Shout out to you doing more than just being a degree holder and continuing to open the doors for others um, in this academic, scientific 
industrial governmental avenues we definitely appreciate you and as always thank you guys for listening today this is your boys ens kofi k and lawrence m and special guest dr stevenson here on for the culture podcast we'll see you guys later peace thanks for listening to for the culture podcast with your hosts ian kofi and lawrence if you're new here don't forget to click that subscribe button and follow us on social media Help us grow by liking and sharing this episode with your family and friends. Hey, that's all for this episode. See you next time.